ready to keep you company wherever you are. Carte Blanche, the podcast, brings you immersive, hard-hitting stories anytime, anywhere, every week. Everyone's been talking about the Tabo Besta case, and so are we. In this week's episode of The Whole Week Wrap with Daily Maverick and Carte Blanche, Masake Kana and Janet Hurd shared their thoughts on this unbelievable story. We also delve into the impact of infrastructure vandalism. And the recent provisional liquidation of the SA post office has alarm bells ringing. There's a lot to unpack, so let's get into it. Welcome to another edition of the Whole Week News Wrap with The Daily Maverick. My name is Masa Kegana and I am very excited to be joined by esteemed and legendary journalist from Daily Maverick, Janet Hurd. Janet, how are you doing this morning? Happy New Week. Hi, Masa. I keep thinking if there's going to be one quiet week where things just flow sort of systematically, but we, yeah. there's just evil after upheaval. Probably the it's, biggest this last week that we've had in terms of news breaks, that are quite extraordinary. We joke around and say, oh my gosh, the breaking news jingle is just going off far too much. Is everything actually breaking news? Yes, and it kind of comes at such a pace. And, uh, you know, you wonder if it is because of the nature of how news happens now. But I do think South Africa's in a particularly traumatic time and of turbulence mm. we haven't seen for a good number of years. And I think it just adds to the cycle. There seem to be so much pegged on so many Let's start in the city of Tuani, where residents have been left without power due to the pylons collapsing and vandalism there. Why isn't there a beefing up of security? Because we know that the pylons are a target. I think that is the question. And I think what's happening is more and more uh, communities are trying to safeguard their own public property. They're taking it upon themselves to try and fix potholes. They're taking it upon themselves to Mm. try and keep neighborhoods safe. The seven pylon collapse in Chwani has really put the spotlight on the, the vulnerability of communities. Mamelodi obviously seemed to be very severely hit. I went on the car train to Pretoria to, to meet a few of the staff and we were meant to meet our stringer from Mamelodi. Then, and of course, he'd been in a blackout from Sunday and just powerless. And parts of Pretoria were obviously back and running like normal, heart train running normal. And we were very privileged to be going to Waterkloof, the gated community where there was no sign of even load shedding ever. That is, it tells you also about priorities. And I do think we need to look at securing safety across the city and across all our cities where it's not just for the privileged few. We have to provide safety for all communities. And I think this has become one of the South Africa's biggest challenges. And the, the Chwani, those pylon collapse really impacted devastatingly. The city mayor, Celia Brink, blamed the extensive damage on criminals. Now, we know that this is what criminals do, but we also know that in many cases, criminals get away with it. So how are we to say and confirm and be guaranteed that the residents of Twani and other cities in the country won't have to experience this? Because I'm not hearing talk of this is what we're going to do, but more talk of can the community members please alert us or report any suspicious behavior? That is very difficult when there is such a lack of accountability, when we don't see people going to jail and people will continue because there seems to be 
a lack of law. Vandalism and the theft, uh, metal theft, Celia's the new, it's ironic really, it was his, probably his first big new challenge. I mean, he's got many, mm. many existing challenge, but, you know, he stepped in a, a week ago. So now he's having to, you know, to prove that he's got what it takes to be mayor. And I think uh, Celia's, he seemed very vocal. I mean, he was distributing a lot of video clips about what he's aiming to do with his regular updates. But one wonders what really is happening in terms of, of fixing the problem. To see the new mayor trying to put out what is going to be done is encouraging. But when you're sitting in the dark and mm. you're sitting in a space where freeways are being closed down, where there are pylons and car pileups and injuries and just the ripple effect of all of this. And I love the word that you used to describe some of the residents that she spoke to saying they were feeling powerless. <laughs> the power, there's so many puns with power. I mean, I think it's also, I suppose, ironic. If you think of Celia's sending, you know, very good messages, but the people who are in the black car can't actually even access those messages if they haven't been able to power up their phones. Yeah. You know, it does, it does start falling on deaf ears, perhaps. Last week, reports began to surface of the South African Post Office having been placed under provisional liquidation. And while the embattled SOE was able to sidestep liquidation after paying some of its debt, the post office is far from safe. It's going to be a big challenge. I know the writings have been on the wall for many, many, many years, but the reality is that the post office is a needed SOE by millions of ordinary South Africans. Many people rely on the post office, for instance, for social grants, but also just for and transporting goods. But if you have had the misfortune of having a package at the post office, you'll know that, I mean, it hasn't been working and quite viable for a very long time. Some of the issues that the post office is facing, I have found have been, you know, self-inflicted. Branches have been closing in their hundreds just because they cannot even afford to pay the leases on their property, can't afford to pay salaries as well. And as your colleague Ray Masaka writes, he says, you know, it's arguably beyond redemption at this point. Ray Masaka put it very well in that article that, you know, it, it really is, seems a battle that cannot be won. Can there be redemption at this late stage of decay? And yet, as you pointed out, Masa, it's a hugely important part of South Africa's infrastructure of accessing grants. If you think of the number of jobs of people who are employed by the post office, I don't know how we can fill the gaps that will be left if there are no post offices. I mean, already people accessing grants have suddenly arrive at a post office and been, there's a notice on the door to say, please travel 50 kilometers to collect your, your, your grant somewhere else. Without notice, post offices just shut down and that's been happening for a while. My concern is, what does this mean for the rest of our SOEs? We know that they are crumbling, but when we have one going into provisional liquidation, can you imagine the news headlines if that happens to ESCOM. Perhaps that's a sort of a, a warning and a, a precursor where we can actually shake out of whatever's been done wrong. One would think that this would be a real warning, the alarm bells going off, real emergency situation, because we know the problems. I think the problems are so well aired. They get repeated across the SOE landscape, and yet we haven't been able to really, I mean, I can't really think of many state-owned enterprises that have actually managed to turn themselves around in the last years. And that's, I suppose, we've got to be extremely vigilant now. The fact that this has happened with the post office could be a precursor to others. It's a Hollywood-esque prison escape that most storytellers only wish they could have dreamed up. 
But the escape and subsequent rearrest of murderer and rapist Tabo Bester is all too real and, as Janet Hurd emphasizes, a bitter reminder of the failings within our justice system. Our next story that we're watching, and it's not just South Africa watching, or Malawi, or Mozambique, and Tanzania, which are some of the countries that have been affected in this whole table Besta and Dr. Nandi Pasaga. It's international news watching. I am currently in the U.S., and I've been reading U.S. publications, and the New York Post is loving the story and dubbing it something that should be coming out of Hollywood, as we've all have said, that you really in a cinema, the only thing that's missing is the popcorn and the slush puppy. And the sad reality is that it is not directed and produced and created in the minds of storytellers. It is an actual true life story affecting so many people. And it's swallowed the news agenda. I can't remember the last time there was such a sensational story um, in South Africa. I mean, the Guptas the two big stories that are going to continue this week will be the what's going to happen with the Guptas getting off kind of cleared um, with no accountability at all and the controversy around that and then the Besta story taking completely dramatic turn. And I think that that has continued through the, through the weeks and will continue the next few weeks. Very worrying, um, disturbing cases. How Tabo Besta got away. I mean, you wouldn't believe it if you were even seeing it in a movie. You would think this is fiction. And then with the Guptas, how that brazen collapse of a system and the accountability and transparency that has come through in both these cases. And now we're all very happy that Tabo Besto has been arrested and brought back into jail. But the accountability is the issue here, and that's going to play out. We need to keep asking the question, how did it happen? And our parliament's been seized by it and will continue to be. But there's so many questions that have not been aired. There's still so many pieces of the puzzle to put together. Although I think the Tauber Bester case, what that has shown is how bad our system has become, how the prison system is so corrupt, how complicity is so pervasive, and how people turn a blind eye to when, when they get pointed out that there's this transgression, shrug their shoulders, it's not their responsibility. Passing the buck between the private security and the prisons and the police about who should have actually tackled the matter head on with Tabo Besta has been astonishing as it's played out in Parliament and in other networks. And at the end of the day, people are left wondering, well, who's actually in charge here? Who runs the show? It's a very dangerous situation. The best case really did bring home the rot that we are faced with. And, you know, it's fantastic that he's been arrested and his accomplice has been arrested and they're making a number of arrests now. But what did it take? And what happened if there wasn't journalism, really courageous journalism from ground up, to actually dig away? And as they pointed out in an article on Friday, it's not normally the kind of story they would you know they do stories on the ground they often do stories that are you know initially that this was quite it seemed like a story that would be a tabloid kind of story because it's got all those ingredients and ground up yeah. likes focus on stories that are other newspapers and other media are not covering and also because it sounds like a far-fetched crime novel a bonnie and clyde type story with a love interest but yet they did tackle it because they realized that this is of such high public interest watching a little bit of uh, the g4s leadership in parliament being grilled by mp glennis breitenbach was everything for me 
I thoroughly enjoyed that. Absolutely. I think that, her, you know, a lot of the MPs were really on form, you know. I mean, here was a Absolutely. case, them all in one go. And the, some of the quotes are just fabulous from that Justice Portfolio Committee. Gladys Brayton by asking the G4S uh, head, how did best to get out? And then Bellafield responded that this is part of the SACS investigation. It's not ours. I don't believe that is my purpose now, said Bellafield. And then Tretenbach replied, you don't think it is part of your responsibility to determine how a murderer and rapist got out of your prison? Get real. And the quotes about being such a disgrace, you know, hang your head in shame, you know, to see the authorities, the top authorities and Lamola, who knew about this since October. He was told about the, the fact that that body was not Bester's. You know, what happened? And everyone had been alerted and nothing happened until now. The question we've got to ask ourselves and South Africa has to ask is what would happen if this never came out? And I suppose how many other cases are there that are happening like this? Because this came through a whistleblower and the sort of tenacity of, of journalists to actually see it through. But a lot of painstaking work, as Nathan Geffen, the editor of Ground Up, said in, in, in an editorial on Friday, explaining why they took up the story, is that a lot of the journalism, people think it's high profile and, and quite exciting. A lot of it's very mundane, going through reports, through footage, mm. through surveillance. You know, that takes time and money. And it took a while for the story to get noticed because Ground Up, you know, we are a partner with Ground Up. We Generally, Daily Maverick republishes a lot of Ground Up's articles. It's Creative Commons. It's a fantastic model. Anyone can actually republish their work. But it's interesting how that story built up where it didn't get picked up as much as, it, you know, in the, in the early days. And then suddenly it just became the sensation. Justice Edwin Cameron. Remember that name. Without his courage, the Tabo Besta saga may have never seen the light of day. Shooting off to our green shoots, but also staying on this salacious story. Our hats off to Justice Edwin Cameron. If it weren't for Justice Edwin Cameron leaking that information and helping ground up with some of that information to be able to stop this digging, we wouldn't be here today. We have still a lot of hope because of the sort of metal and determination of so many of, the, of our citizens. And Justice Edwin Cameron had retired from the Constitutional Court a few years ago with a very strong history of doing what is right, taking a moral stand, as he did when he was HIV positive during the era where there wasn't a rollout of antiretrovirals. He took up this campaign and he could afford antiretrovirals, but his campaign was to make sure that antiretrovirals were affordable to all. And he was one of the main drivers of that and I think that his metal has been shown again his principled stand but I also think it shows the level of frustration he must have had that he had to resort to actually becoming a whistleblower. He inspects prison as the head of the Judicial Inspectorate for Correctional Services you would think he had a lot of you know there would be if he calls for action that there is action and I think that just shows the level of frustration that he eventually he, he did call out what was happening he alerted the authorities we've got to deal with this he said that the prison is dysfunctional, there's people operating, there's powerful, a rich, powerful individual operating from Mangaong prison. And then when the escape happened and he found out about it, he didn't, it was about the body, the fact that the body had been brought in and that the person burnt in the fire was not that of Bester. That's when the real alarm bells went off. But the fact that he had to then go to the media to try and get action is such an indictment. And he said he yeah. also felt complicit in the insufficient response that he got to the escape. Kudos to Edwin Cameron. We do have green shoots like Edwin Cameron. And again, it's a tribute to the whistleblowers that are everywhere in this country. 
everywhere um, and often it makes us nervous. Absolutely. Janet, always an absolute pleasure chatting with you. I uh, look forward to another jam-packed news week ahead and all the best to you. Thanks very much, Massa. Thanks for listening. In case you missed any of our earlier episodes, you can find them now on Spotify and all other major platforms. Also, head on over to the Card Plant website for more insightful content.